we're going to discover one of the world's great wine growing areas, and it's not in France or Australia. Coming up today on Traveling, I'm Elizabeth Harriman. And I'm Paul Leslie, and you are traveling with Paul Leslie and Elizabeth Harriman right here on the American Forces Network and at ontravel.com. Well, I'm going to try and pronounce this. First of all, Max Hartshorn joins us, and Max is, of course, editor of GoNomad.com, but he has been in the, and I've actually passed through the Tualatin Valley. I did that. Tualatin, it just came out. I thought you were talking about Hartshorn, <laughs> being able to pronounce Hartshorn. <laughs> no, frequently I run afoul of pronunciation, but uh, today I really did everything right. The Tualatin Valley is outside Portland, and some incredibly good wines come out of there, but there are places to stay, places to eat, all kinds of good stuff there. Well, I, I think you hear more about the Willamette. Or the, sorry, Willamette Valley. You know, you hear a lot about the Willamette Valley outside Portland, but not as much about the Tualatin Valley. But I guess that is also a wonderful wine-growing or grape-growing region for wines, right, Max? Hartson? That's exactly what the tourism board will tell you. They said, why don't you think about coming to Tualatin Valley? Why is it always the Willamette Valley? Well, it's just like oftentimes, you know, the underdog has to work a little harder than the other ones. But... Uh, we were there a couple of weeks ago, and uh, now everybody knows about Portland. There's always a big question mark, and you know what it has to do with the rain. Well, it's as bad as they say. I saw, a tour guide told me without a, without a smile, he said it's 60 to 70 days a year, it's sunny. So that leaves a lot of days of gray, but it doesn't mean rain, does it? It means a little overcast, a little bit crappy, but not raining. So there was a time we put on the raincoats. We did get a little rain on our bike ride, which is another thing about the Twalton Valley. There's a wonderful 21-mile bike path we took um, out of the little town of Banks. And the town of Banks has a the Twalton River, and there's a beautiful bike path along there. And one of the nicest bike paths we've ever taken. It was really beautiful, riding along with birds on either side, and it opens up to wild, open to fields and stuff. But um, the Twalton has, there has a little bit of a work come out of it because so many people know Columbia, and they know Willamette, and they know all those Oregon wines. But not only do they have a winery, they have 12 wineries, Twalton Valley. They also have a world-class sake manufacturer called Sake One. And sake is better than I thought it was. Have you enjoyed sake before? I'm sure you have. Elizabeth and I were at a sake tasting in Honolulu uh, at a Japanese hotel. And one thing I learned was good sake is cold or at least cool and served in little wooden boxes. Yes, they did. I asked for the hot sake and they looked at me with a funny look and said, no, listen, this is good sake. So at the sake... Yeah, if it's good, you don't drink it hot. What they've done, they make this. They make these brands called, um, there's called G Sake and then Moonstone Sake and all these different flavors. So, you know, they, you can make flavored sake and it's really good. It totally is cold, as you say. Um, and they suggest that you drink it like a mixed drink, like a vodka, instead of vodka. They actually talk about having like sake martinis. Uh, it's really becoming a a cool drink for people who don't want wine or maybe don't want beer. And obviously, Oregon is like the beer capital of the world, right? In Tualatin Valley, there are lots and lots of breweries. One of them we really enjoyed was the Waltz Brewing Company. Very funky, down-home kind of place. You go in and, like a lot of these new places now, instead of a bar... They just have a tasting room so that you can taste their beers and then some of their guest friends' beers. I 
must challenge you on the beer capital of the world because the Czech Republic consumes more beer per capita than any place else on earth. And they have this incredible sort of what they consider their beer. Well, there's Budweiser, but it's not the Budweiser. It's the original Budweiser. But the other one is Pilsner Urquell. And to show you how popular Pilsner Urquell is, we're coming out of a hotel one morning that has a Pilsner Urquell restaurant. And the outside is a tank truck <laughs> that pulls it like pulls up to your your gas station you know and yes there are four inch diameter hoses coming out of there and they are delivering fresh pilsner kill on draft story about the munich beer tunnel that they have a mile long beer tunnel for the oktoberfest so they don't have to refill but but yeah and budweiser the original budweiser won the lawsuit against budweiser the dominant brand that's actually now number three because uh, budweiser had the trademark before they did but um anyway we'll talk a little bit more about back to the world the other world capital of brewing (laughs) well you know the west coast maybe they don't drink as much but they certainly take a lot of energy and put a lot of craft into it these small brewers. Um, one of the places we really enjoyed was uh, Ridgewalker Brewing and they also, as I said, Waltz Brewing. I, I love a place where the owner's right there. You go in, they're just laid back and they're hanging out and Oregon has this relaxedness and you know it might have to do with this. They just changed a law a couple years ago and you can go to a store and buy marijuana and that makes people really relaxed. It seems to me that really has a major impact on these people. Are They're going to these little stores, little boutiques, they're buying some gummy bears, they're, they're buying some smokable pot. And the whole place has a vibe that's very relaxed and mellow. Without any sense of promotion or anything, I have been told by those who know, not by me, but by those who know, that um, you should not have candy pot. Well, yeah, you could probably eat too much because it tastes too good, right? Yeah. I have no idea, and I'm not going down that road. <laughs> I don't see you going down that road, and neither do you. But um, look, look Tualatin, so Tualatin Valley, um, a couple of the highlights I thought were really neat was the, the Rice Northwest uh, Museum. It's a museum of rocks. Now, you know, that, that sounds okay. Well, it's a Smithsonian-level museum. They're actually certified by the Smithsonian. This is a family house, a wonderful, beautiful modern house out in the, out in the sticks, way out in the middle of, sort of middle of nowhere. And you go in and you see some slices of earth, petrified wood. You see these crystals they dug out of the ground. You can't believe that they're rocks. And they have things like, um, they, they show you how silicon is made. They show you an actual big piece of silicon and how it's cut up into wafers and how it's cut up. Because the biggest employer in Oregon is Intel. 102,000 employees in, in Intel has... So I didn't know that. Yeah, Intel's got a huge presence in Oregon. And so the silica is, obviously the sand there must be good. Um, but this museum was just knockout. I, Rice Northwest Museum of Crystals and Rocks. Gems, diamonds, every kind of thing you can imagine. Oh, yeah. I, I think rocks are very interesting. I mean, some of the most um, interesting museums I've been to are gem and mineral museums. After all, diamonds are a girl's best friend. <laughs> Hint. Hint. She's ki- <laughs> kicking me. Anniversary, Paul. <laughs> kicking me under the table. Um, you know, the the fact is that that places like that, I think, are infinitely fascinating, and that's why going to some place like the Tualatin Valley is so 
important for travel, I think, because you come away with this insight into things that you may never otherwise see. I mean, you could go to the, you know, American Museum of Natural History or, you know, all the Smithsonian, Washington, and they have the Hope Diamond and things. But then you come across a small museum like this, and they're showing you how they make silicon wafers into semiconductors. They have things like, they have things like, um, piles of gold nuggets like mm. uh, like a pile of like a you could pour it into a jar gold nuggets and they have some other some other of these things they have unearthed out of the ground that look like landscape paintings they they look like they're landscape paintings and they're actually just strata of earth that's cut out and then polished they in the museum they show you how they polish the gems and all the different sizes of gems um, some of these are you know of uh, these things are the really really large crystals some are small crystals but the other thing that's kind of neat it's a 1960s home and uh, you know I grew up in a 1960s home and this has never been updated so you go and there's a blue bathroom with blue toilet and blue sink and then they have like these cabinets with curved cabinets and just this all reminds you of what, like a thermidor you know it reminds us of maybe when you were a child it's a really neat sort of we, we had a pink bathroom. Yeah, this is the blue, <laughs> along the lines of the pink, yeah. It was an era. Well, if you hear a, a little something in the background, it may be because we're in the press room here at the New York Times Travel Show. We should say that we are coming to you uh, today from the New York Times Travel Show. Paul and I did a presentation here yesterday, and Max did a presentation of uh, I guess, what do you call it, a travel expert corner kind of thing. He did that this morning, so we're all um, participants here, <clears throat> excuse me, in the New York Times Travel Show, which I, I have to say is the best travel show in the world, and the third year in a row that we've uh, had the privilege of being here. So if you hear a little something in the background, that's that's what it is, and uh, you are traveling on the American Forces Network and at ontravel.com. I'm Elizabeth Harriman here with Paul Lastly and our special guest, Max Hartshorn, who uh, has been telling us about the Tualatin Valley, and it, it certainly has lots of interesting things, but um, let's kind of go back to the... How um, how did it sort of become this... Um, how long has it been a, a wine, a, a grape-growing region? Or how, you know, what, so what's it... Give us a little bit of the, about the background. How did it become this gem of a thing to visit to Tualatin Valley? Well, it's it's actually, it's Washington County, so it was a rebrand. I don't think the name of the place is the Tualatin Valley, but it's the marketing name, because the Tualatin River, and it sounds better than saying Washington County. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a fairly wealthy community. Hillsboro, uh, Beaverton, you know, you know the name Beaverton, you associate it with Nike, and now, as I said, I learned that the, the rest of the place is associated with Intel, so it's actually a fairly high-income area. There's a lot of engineers, a lot of people from different parts of the country, parts of the world, who moved there to, to work for Intel, which is one of the biggest companies and probably the, one of the best places to work in the world. Um, and, you know, when that happens, I think you, you have a demand for recreational things. You have a demand for wine. You have a demand for high-quality food because you've got a, an, a, a citizenship that is looking for the best because they can afford it. Now, that means it, it maybe it's not going to be the least expensive place to live, but I think it'll be a little less expensive than Portland, which is a booming city, as you know, and Portland's great. And we did spend some time after our trip to Tualatin in Portland. But, you know, I, I think that um, there's a combination of marketing and realizing that you know you don't have to just sit back and have everybody go to the next door neighbors in Willamette Valley. You can you know just the way Sonoma has done, and and so many wine regions. I mean, I'm impressed. Aren't you impressed with the wine that you drink now? You go to Massachusetts, you go to New York, you go to Virginia. I can't believe the wine is actually good. <laughs> well, <laughs> so Max, um, did you where did you stay? 
Oh, that was another highlight, I got to say. Out in Portland, there's a company that owns about 60 hotels, the McMinimins. And the Mc- they have been guests on our on our show. Yes, we talked about them. McMinimins just rock, don't? Aren't they great? They're fantastic because they take old buildings and make them into new buildings. And they're building a hotel that's sort of Hawaiian themed. I think that's one of their current projects. The big thing they I've stayed in Bend, Oregon, at one of their places. And what they do is their specialty is schools. They'll take an elementary school and turn it into, a, 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 you know, a beautiful little funky hotel and every room is painted by an artist every hallway is painted like deep colors they're grateful dead people they love the grateful dead so they go to the grateful dead show they're young guys i don't think they're that old there's two brothers and there's about 60 properties they really run that whole part of the world you know portland seattle and and or in in southern oregon so we stayed at what they call the mcminimins grand lodge it's a former home to the um, Masonic order. It was a, a, a senior home for the Masonics. So it's an amazing big building. And it's twisty and turny and, you know, there's everywhere to go. And they have something. McMinimins loves soaking pools. They have this sort of thing about the soaking pools. I didn't know that. Yeah, so they have this pool that's about 105 degrees. It's a swimming pool, a huge swimming pool with rocks and stuff that's really hot. It's like a Japanese style. So, you know, you take a shower first, then you go in. And it was such a nice little amenity. And they call it a spa, you know. But it's not the prissy spa. You know? It's more like just a funky place to go. They're right located in Forest Grove, which is a neat little town. Um, Forest Grove has some nice restaurants that we enjoyed, too. But I think people, you know, a lot of people from Portland will go to McMinimins just for the weekend. Mm. They'll have music, love live music, and they have tennis courts and some other, you know, amenities like that. But just the building itself is really nice. Sounds wonderful. So you keep saying we. Who, whom did you travel with? I travel with my good friend Bruce Northam, who's a travel writer. And Bruce and I have gotten away to several different uh, different times. He, he writes for the uh, website called Thrillist, and he also uh, has written a couple books. So Paul and I, uh, Bruce and I, will travel occasionally, you know, when I get away. And then just, you know, I mean, it's fun taking a trip by yourself, but it's much more fun when your buddy can come. So... Well, it's true. You know, there is an advantage to solo travel. Or, uh, travel. It's certainly part of the mix. There's no question. Many times you develop better sort of perceptions of places because you you don't have anybody to share it with. It's you, you know, that kind of thing. But it is nice to travel with somebody. He's also a very outgoing and loquacious guy. So I'll go to a, we'll go to a little bar and he'll start chatting up the owner. He'll start chatting the person next to him. And he brings us into it. And I really enjoy trying to add as much of the local quotes and information as I can. I don't want this to be about me going there. I want to know about what people who live there say. So Bruce is very good at digging that out. And that always is helpful, you know, to have have somebody that is very loquacious and is never (laughs) afraid to just go right up and say, hey, how are you? Where do you live? Yes, that's one thing about being a reporter or a a journalist is um, a couple things. You have to have intense curiosity and you can't be too shy because you have to go up and talk to people and just be brave enough to to meet people. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's always a challenge. You know, you never know if you're imposing. But the truth is, in Oregon, this is, I mean, I don't know if this is fair about Oregon, but I think it's true that the average person you go up to in Oregon is going to be really interesting and really interested in talking to you. If where I live, New England, we're cold and we're scary, we're nervous, you know, you sort of come up, maybe we'll be friendly. But in Oregon or Washington or California, you know, you get much easier to just sort of get into a rapport, you know. Well, except in Oregon, no, I I'm not sure because, you know, there is this famous highway overpass as you drive 
from California into Oregon, and it says, welcome to Oregon, now go home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the Californias have overrun just about every state, right? No, but other than that, I totally agree with Max. I think people in, in Oregon are extremely friendly. It's not that New Englanders aren't friendly. It's just that if you're not third-generation I mean, it, it, it takes a long time to be accepted, right, as a, mm-hmm. as a New Englander. Yeah, and there's a skepticism. It's funny because New England is not that far from Canada. But you go up to Quebec or you mm. go to, they're like, they're just welcoming. You're so happy to see you. But you go up to northern Maine and you walk into a little saloon. You know, they're maybe friendly, maybe not. Where I live, I live in western Massachusetts. I mean, we live in a very liberal area. You know, it's very good. But I think just the general feeling I had about Oregon was that you can almost always make a friend because there's going to be a commonality between, you know, I love this beer, you know, I love Mount Hood. By that's another thing, you can see Mount Hood. And that beautiful Mount Hood is just, oh, I love it. And, and of course, there's that great classic, uh, I think it was a WPA-era lodge on Mount Hood uh, that uh, is one of the treasures of America, you know, in the National Park Service. We're talking with Max Hartzorn of GoNomad.com. Max, how long have you been, uh, have you had Go Nomad? And How and why did you start it? Well, I didn't start it, actually. It started um, in 2000, so that's how long it's been around. So it's been around for 18 years, and I picked it up in 2002. So I've been doing this since 2002, and in about two years after I bought the site, it became my full-time job. So I gave up the day job. Who had it before you, and what was your day job? Uh, I was a, um, a advertising guy and newspaper guy, advertising guy, you know. And I, it was started by a woman up in Vermont, and I think her intention was to start it. But if you think back, okay, 2000, great time to start a business. 2001, you start a travel business, you're freaking out. 2001 and a half, you sell it to Max. And then Max says, what a great deal he got. And then 2018, it's been going great. So thank you. It's It's been a wonderful experience. I mean, it's exactly what I always wanted to do, and I've never told anybody that I ever wanted to anything else except this. Well, it's a great site. It's filled with photography and great stories and great descriptions. And it's what I find is it's written for real people. I like that. I mean, there's so many sites out there that are, I don't know, written for people who like to, you know, uh, base jump (laughs) off of high buildings. Well, and, and everybody wants to be luxury. I mean, if I talk to one more PR person that says, oh, we've got this great new hotel, it's this luxury hotel, and don't you want me to tell you about that great new luxury hotel? And, you know, luxury hotels are fine. You know, a good, great service hotel is uh, it can be a work of art. But, you know, most people can't afford luxury most of the time. I share your view. I mean, luxury, it's always it's all anybody's chasing now. The whole industry is chasing the 1%. You know what? The 1% can do what they want to do. And I think I'd rather talk about the things like McMinimins, you know, $100 a night hotel, or a Tualatin Valley where you can go and your regular person can go. I mean, what we don't want to, I mean, it's like I read an article in the New York Times yesterday about private jets, you know, this whole class of people that buy private jets. That's not me. That's not anybody I know. And probably not very many of our listeners either, except they get those nice military jets they get to fly <laughs> oh yeah c-130 <laughs> <laughs> yes well that's so true and um uh, yeah uh, we we believe in travel for real people well you know <laughs> you mentioned i mean 
people always think about I the more I know about the military the more respect I have but also more my heart goes out to them these people are not living in luxury by any manner of means and and military air transport I understand is quite something I've never done that but uh, some Elizabeth has yeah I flew a mats MATS military air transport uh, not one I mean some of them don't have seats in them this one had a seat in you know had regular seats it was wonderful. Yeah. I had a great experience on a military plane. I flew uh, I flew out to, um, to Arizona from Massachusetts in a KC-135 uh, fuel fueler. And the fueler has, um, as many of the people in the audience know, it has a round bottom that's glass where the tank is fueled. And you could go to the back and you could look out this glass window and be scared as hell because you're looking down. And that's where they have the little toggle where the fuel comes out for the next, for, the, for refueling the jets. And we sat in those net, net chair, no, net chairs. There was, they used to have a program, um, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they used to have a program for the National Guard called Boss Lift. They wanted to show people who were employers what the, they were doing mm. with the, you know, the National Guard, why you should let your employees leave and be on the National Guard. And I was 100% for that. So they said, well, come on the Boss Lift. And we went out to Fort Huachuca, which I was so impressed with Fort Huachuca. It's a signals, it's all mm. signals intelligence. I had dinner with couple of generals and a couple of admirals and you know not but general army and the level of conversation and intellect and and sophisticated understanding of the world was so fantastic the military impresses me it really does on all levels because they're they're dedicated to what they're doing they're volunteering what they're doing and they really know their stuff they really know their stuff and they are the best travelers in the world uh, Paul and I've done several shows uh, radio shows and and articles because they have the best travel advice, they're the best the best travelers that that we have ever met, and uh, extremely knowledgeable, sophisticated, brave people. I I, I can't. The, every military person we've met have just it's it's humbled us. We're yeah. There's a level of respect. I remember going to Annapolis and meeting some of the cadets in Annapolis, and boy, they just, they look at you and you really feel like, you know, they are looking at you and honestly, but also respectfully, they're trained. You know, they're not going to look down on you, and I mean, a lot of police officers have the same understanding. Like, we're doing our professional job, but Annapolis, have you ever been to Annapolis? Yeah, I have. Oh, Annapolis I, I used, amazing. I used to do uh, Elizabeth is, is <laughs> a, uh, we should say, we have to attract, an attractive, I'm very fortunate to have Elizabeth in my life. Uh, but Elizabeth, you know, she's so ingenuous about this. I've been to a lab. I've I've been to a I've been a flown on an Air Force plane. I've done, well, of course. I used to date a midshipman, and uh, oh, there you go, yeah. midshipman. Yeah, go Navy. <laughs> but uh, but um, no, it's it's a gorgeous campus. But um, yeah, also. Um, no, uh, Annapolis is also famous for the fact there is no parking. Today, now, yeah. it, we, we actually went there with some friends of ours for lunch. We had this wonderful Sunday afternoon lunch in Annapolis, and they used to live there. And they said, you know, every parking place in Annapolis is accounted for in right. some way. Yeah. And every boat yeah. slip is accounted for. There's more yachts than any other place on Earth, I think, on Earth. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're probably right. And, of course, we have two nephews uh, who, who are in the Army. So so, we, so we're not... They came from West Point, that other place. Yeah, they came from West Point. So we're, so we're an equal opportunity supporter of our military. We, 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 we love Annapolis and West Point. And the Tualatin Valley <laughs> outside. I'm coming full circle here. We've 
traveled around the world here on Traveling, as we frequently do. We digress a lot, as you can tell. Well, so is there a website for the Tualatin Valley, or should they just go to gonomad.com to get Well, yeah, they can go to, and, and our story has been published about the Tualatin Valley. You can read about a little bit about Portland, about the Tualatin Valley, and you can see photographs of Tualatin Valley and uh, find a lot of other inspiration about that other parts of Oregon, like Bend, Oregon, which is, again, a beautiful place, Bend. And Portland, it's weirder than ever, but it's greater than ever. <laughs> and you can also uh, probably even visit some sites of Portlandia. That's right. Portland is coming to an end this year. It's the last year of the show. But it's, boy, it's put the place on the map. And there actually is a statue in Portland called Portlandia. It's a giant woman. And they, it's a gigantic woman up on this building. And it's called Portlandia. And that's why the name of the show. Enjoy life. Drink beer and some good Tualatin Valley wine. And you will have, you will live a long, healthy, and wonderful life. And you'll also live a long, healthy, and wonderful life joining us here on Traveling as uh, as you did, Max Hartshorn. Thanks so much for being with us. Always a pleasure and even better to see you guys in person. And his website is gonomad.com. And you have been traveling on the American Forces Network and at ontravel.com. I'm Elizabeth Harriman. I'm Paul Lasley. Travel safely. Travel safely.